0: that we're looking at comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 22, through chapter 10, verse 52, but the passages that I'll be reading this morning are 3, chapter 8, verse 27 through 32, chapter 9, verse 30 through 32, and chapter 10, verse 30 through 34, if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 32. Jesus and His disciples went into the villages near Caesarea Philippi. On the way, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that I am? They told Him, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone about Him. Then Jesus began to teach His disciples... The human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the legal experts and be killed. And then after three days, rise from the dead. He said this plainly. Chapter 9, verse 30 through 32. From there, Jesus and his followers went through Galilee, but he didn't want anyone to know it. This was because he was teaching his disciples. The human one will be delivered into human hands. They will kill him. Three days after he is killed, he will rise up. But they didn't understand this kind of talk, and they were afraid to ask him. And then, chapter 10, verse 32 through 34. Jesus and his disciples were on the road going up to Jerusalem, with Jesus in the lead. The disciples were amazed, while the others following behind were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he told them what was about to happen to him. Look, he said, we're going to Jerusalem. The human one will be handed over to the chief priests and the legal experts. They will condemn him to death and hand him to the Gentiles. They will ridicule him, spit on him, torture him and kill him. After three days, he will rise up. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we continue our reading through the Gospel of Mark as part of our spiritual practice during this season of Lent. Each Sunday we've read different chapters of Mark's Gospel as we have seen, or I hope we've started to see, how Mark presents who Jesus of Nazareth was and is and of the way that Jesus is bringing forth God's kingdom into the earth. Mark's Gospel is a Gospel of urgency. If you have never read Mark's Gospel, I hope as you're reading it and hearing it that you see that Mark does not take any time to really flesh out any of these stories in some of the ways that Matthew and Luke do. Because Mark wants us to see and to hear. He wants to present this Gospel in the quickest and most efficient form Because he's writing this gospel for the Christian community at first in Rome that was being persecuted and facing other challenges and martyrdom. And so where other gospels take a lot of time to describe what's happening, Mark just puts it out there and it's done and on we go. And so this morning's passage of Scripture, we're reading from chapter 8, verse 22, through chapter 10, verse 52, which in some commentaries, and depending who you read, is the heart of the Gospel of Mark, because it's the very center of what Mark sees Jesus of Nazareth is doing, and of what Mark um, sees in terms of Jesus fulfilling His mission, and in preparing the disciples for what their mission is going to be when He leaves. We begin to see almost a shift in the ministry of Jesus as He has begun His ministry. Initially, you know, in every teaching and healing and miracle, He told the person that was, that was healed to not tell anyone. And then today it, it shifts. As Jesus begins teaching and offering and allowing different ideas about Him, as people are beginning to answer the question, Who is He? To be heard by others. And so in today's scripture, Jesus has begun his journey up to Jerusalem to fulfill the call that God has placed on his life. I think it's funny that, G- that Mark writes that Jesus is traveling up to Jerusalem because he's traveling southward. And that doesn't make sense to me. You know, we travel up to Albuquerque by going north or, you know, I just don't. It just doesn't work for me. But as they're traveling to Jerusalem, you're traveling from some of the lower areas in the region upward into the hills where Jerusalem is located. And so Mark's Gospel said that they are traveling up to Jerusalem so that Jesus can fulfill the call that God has placed on His life. If you've read Luke's Gospel in this same passage as Jesus sets His face towards Jerusalem, Luke writes, and then He dedicates chapters to this journey where Mark gives verses just a handful of verses because like much of his gospel Mark streamlines what happens where Luke dedicates multiple chapters Mark just dedicates a few verses so that we can see and understand what is happening. And so in today's scripture, we begin up north in the region of Caesarea Philippi. This is a region that's controlled by the, Gal- by the, the Gentiles. It's not a, a region that's part of Israel. Caesarea Philippi at the time is, is a hub of pagan worship. And so Jesus takes the disciples there first to offer his first prophecy and to begin teaching to them. He moves southward through the Galilee to Capernaum, the city that the majority of His adult ministry is based in and around of. He enters the region of Judea, which is the southern portion of what is now Israel. And our reading this morning ends with Jesus entering the city of Jericho, where He heals a blind man named Bartimaeus. Jericho is just a short day's walk from Jerusalem Jerusalem. And so as Jesus has traveled southward up to Jerusalem with the disciples and the crowd, He heals a blind man in Bethsaida. He goes to the mountain with Peter, James, and John where they experience and witness the transfiguration. He casts demons out from a little boy as he comes down for the transfiguration. And there is a father there who is just desperate. His son is is possessed by a demon. He's thrown into fire. He's thrown into the water. They can't do anything. They don't know what to do. And so he has come to the disciples to heal his son. And they're unable to do it. And Jesus comes down and casts the demon out of this boy. And then Jesus welcomes the children, telling the disciples that the children are to be welcomed to him. He taught about the kingdom. And in chapter 10, he answered the rich man's question about what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven with the scripture of note being that it is impossible with human beings but not with God all things are possible with God interspersed in each of these teachings or miracles or healings there are three significant interactions that we have read this morning where Jesus in the first interacts with the disciples and the crowd, and then in the second two interactions, He focuses His message specifically on the disciples to get them to begin to answer the question for themselves, or at least to talk about it, of who He is. He wanted the people to begin to wonder. They already were. But so that He could teach them and talk to them about What their answer was to who He was. And to why He was there. And to what His ministry was about. And to what they were to do when He left them. We read these passages from Mark chapter 8 and 9. And then chapter 10 verse 32 through 34. These are three prophecies or times in Mark's Gospels. In which He sets the stage and has Jesus telling the people what is going to occur when they reach Jerusalem. He's preparing them for what that is going to happen, for, for what is going to, to occur. It's not like it's not going to happen. And so He's letting them know now so that when it does unfold, they won't be questioning whether or not He is God's Son and whether or not that they were following the wrong person. He's letting them know what so that they can be prepared. If you read the Scripture and and read the passages of Scripture around each of these prophecies, you're going to see that there's a pattern. Because each time Jesus tells the disciples what's going to occur, previous to that, He has healed someone. And so in the first passage, in chapter 8, He heals the blind man at Bethsaida, and then Jesus teaches the disciples and tells them that the Son of Man is going to to have to suffer and, and die and then be risen. And then in the last passage, he heals as well. The blind man, Bartimaeus. Am I right? Oh no, right after, yes. All right. And so either way, there's a pattern that Jesus has prepared there. That each time he offers this prophetic message of looking ahead, he then offers the disciples a word to tell them of what is going to happen and what it means for them to be disciples. The first is from Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 32. He's asked the disciples who the people say that he is. They say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say one of the other prophets. And then he looks to them and he says, What do you say? Peter's response in my translation today says, You are the Christ. Depending on your other translations, maybe yours says, You're the Messiah. But what is the Messiah? To many, the Messiah was was a glorious return of a king who would reestablish the kingdom of Israel as a theocratic nation based in Jerusalem. Others were looking for, for a militaristic Messiah who was going to kill the Romans and rid the land of their oppression and their presence. They were all looking for someone, no matter what the interpretation was going to be, for someone who was going to bring glory and to bring victory and to bring power. And Jesus knew what they were looking for because He grew up amongst them. He knew what the people were anticipating. He knew what the people were looking for. And so He told the disciples this, The Son of Man must suffer many things. He will be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And He must be killed and after three days rise again. If you're looking for a Messiah, this isn't what the disciples and the crowd that were gathered there expected. They weren't expecting or looking for a Messiah that was going to submit or surrender or even suffer. But Jesus tells them that so that they know what to expect. Even if the action of the Messiah is is so far from what they expected and anticipated and looked forward to. He's getting them ready. The second prophecy is Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 32. Jesus has entered the region of the Galilee in secret. So at some point, coming southward from Caesarea Philippi, he and the disciples have have lost the crowd. Mark doesn't say how or why. It's unusual to think that that they don't have the crowd traveling with them because it seems like in Mark's gospel, Jesus and the disciples always have a crowd gathered around them. And maybe it's because of that ever-present crowd that Mark writes that Jesus made it into the Galilean secret to just teach the twelve. As he again tells them what is going to happen to him. The human one will be delivered into human hands. They will kill him three days after he is killed. He will rise up. Mark writes that the disciples did not understand and they were afraid to ask him. And the third prophecy of Jesus' death comes from Mark 10, verse 32 through 34. They're on the road to Jerusalem. And I don't know if you noticed this as we read the passage of Scripture, but it says that Jesus was walking ahead, and the disciples were behind him, and they were amazed. And then it said that there were others following them that were in in fear. Jesus pulls the twelve aside. He has set his faith. He's going ahead. Everyone's trailing behind him. And so he stops and gathers the twelve to tell them this. Look, we're going to Jerusalem. The human one will be handed over to the chief priests and the legal experts. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles. They will ridicule him, spit on him, torture him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise up. Mark doesn't say that the disciples are understanding of what Jesus has just said. In fact, Mark doesn't really have a comment on that except to follow this prophecy by telling the story of James and John asking Jesus if they can have the seats of honor in His kingdom. See, the pattern in each one of these prophecies is Jesus offers it And then he tells the disciples of what it means for them to be in a place of honor in his kingdom. Whether it's the first being last or or whether it's, it's talking about serving others or being willing to serve others and willing to suffer and willing to do the things and to be the person that he is in serving and helping other people. See, Mark writes after each of these statements that Jesus taught those who were there that in order to follow Him, they must imitate Him in their service of others. While His sacrifice is enough for us to obtain full forgiveness, His followers are to offer themselves to others in service so that His kingdom will not be some far-off thing. But instead, glimpses of God's kingdom will be apparent because of the actions of those who call themselves Christians, disciples, followers of Him. This week's passage, they're at the heart of Mark's Gospel because they talk about the very center of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and being willing to, to shift our very center of gravity from us to others. And in being willing to shift our center of gravity, being willing to offer ourselves and recognizing that no matter who we are, we all have something to bring. Because in God's kingdom, all will come. All will gather, all will offer themselves in equal ways. And in God's kingdom, we all are to offer ourselves so that others can see and experience, so that others can hear and know. See, Mark's gospel and this passage today focuses on the suffering and sacrifice of Christ. While at the same time, Jesus turns His suffering and His sacrifice into a charge for us, His people of what it means for us to change the world by our actions, by our attitudes, and by our service to the world and to others. Through His service, through His suffering, He changed the world. And then He gives us the charge that for us to change the world, we have to offer ourselves in service, possibly suffering. So that others can see a glimpse of God's kingdom, the kingdom that we will all gather at in his final victory. And so as you travel around this week, I invite you to think about these words from Christ as he offers himself to us, as he helps us to see that this was all according to his plan, but as he offers the charge to each of us to ask ourselves who he is and what does it mean for me to imitate him in the way I offer myself to others, in my service, my actions, my attitudes, and in the way that I offer Christ to others. Amen. I can invite you to uh, join me as we sing together our closing song. Today the song is Rejoice the Lord is King. It's